Let's go, let's go, Okay, we're learning Le'ili Nishmas, my mother. And of course, for the Kadoshim Marachinu Kol we've lost since October 7th. And we uh, learn that they should be victorious very soon in our day to eradicate the evil of Hamas from our midst. Okay, we are on Ches Amun Beis 8b. We are by the, we're going to start by the first wide line. Okay, after we've just come up with Darshan, Darshanus of the word Mizovo in application to a Zav who sees two Reios, Rav Papa asks Abai, why is it that we used one drasha of Mizovo to include the Zav who sees two Reios, and in this case to uh, need uh, to count seven pure days, whereas we saw earlier that the word mizavo is actually excluding and uh, diminishing the uh, inclusion of the zavusis to reios to not have to bring a carbon. So Abaye answers Rav Papa and he says, Amarle, and specifically in regards to the drasha of mizavo that included the zav who saw to uh, reios. If you were to think that this word mizovo should also be one that diminishes the zav who sees two times, then hudaasa, if you think that's what it's coming for. So the truth is, lishtok kromine, then the truth is, the pasuk should not have even said the word mizovo. Just be silent, don't even say the word, and then what would I have come with? And then you would say like this. And if you want to say that Asimidina, that the one who sees two times Medina from a logical inference, like we saw earlier on in last episode, that you would say from a logical inference that of course the Zav who sees twice should have to count seven days because, as we know, he also would be uh, imp- he would make tame he would impart impurity to things that he lied on mishkav umoshav and things that he would lie on or sit on right we would think logically we would come to that conclusion however shomeres yom keneged yom but then the thing is that we said the one who only saw one day that definitely disproves that because the one who sees only one seeing they do uh, impart impurity to mishkav umoshav the things they lie on and sit on, but they don't have to count seven days. So we see that we we would not have come to the conclusion that the one the Zav who sees twice would have to count seven days because the one who sees a one one day doesn't have to count seven days. Okay, so what what would we say? So we're at to the point where if you didn't have the word Mizovo, we really would have come to the conclusion that uh, Zav who sees twice does not have to count seven days if that was your prerogative to reach that conclusion. I okay. So from the fact that the Torah does say the word mizovo, the only thing it can be teaching us is to is to include, is to um, uh, add the zav who sees twice in the need to count seven days. Right? Without the word mizovo, that would already have been diminished from needing to count seven days. So what Abai is telling her papa is that there's no other way you could have learned that word mizovo. By the first drush of Mizovo, yeah, I was coming to exclude the Zav who sees twice to not have to bring a carbon. But this Mizovo, the only way you can darshan it out is to say that we add him to needing to count seven days because of the comparison of the of the Zav the Zava who saw only one day that they don't have to count seven days. 
Uh, okay. Then the Gemara asks, wait a second. Okay, Vechitem. And if you want to say, wait a second, Hami Bayle Mizovavalo Minago. Remember, we had two drushas for the word Mizovo. So maybe you want to say that the word Mizovo, we can't use it to um, include the Zav in, need, in needing to count seven days. Why? Because we use the word Mizovo to teach me that that even when you had saras as well, we still separate the two, that the purification process only has to be done through your period of seeing, being a zav, count seven days, even when you're in the midst of being a mitzvah, that you will have to have another type of purification process. Still, the zav in and of itself counts their days, and then after their days, they go to the mikvah, and they won't be metame mishkavu moshev anymore. So maybe that's what we should use the word mizovo for, specifically that, and not use it for this other drasha of that the zav who sees twice has to count seven days. So even Cain, if that was really true, that we needed the, the word mizovo only to teach me that you're only purifying yourself from zav and not from nagao, not from being a, a metzora, then lichtov kra, what should the Tapasak have said? V'chi tar hazav, that when the zav becomes pure, Velishtok, and it shouldn't have said anything else. Mizovo, from the fact that it uses the word mizovo and not just hazav, it says mizovo, lamali, why do I need that, that extra longer word? It's limed alzav balshtereios shaton sfiras shiva. It's also coming to teach us, we learn from it, that a zav who sees two discharges, two emissions, they require seven days of, of counting to purify themselves. Okay, so we see that the word mizovo, we proved that this second mizovo definitely includes the one who sees two days. And also that word mizovo, you can learn two things out from it because if it was only coming to teach one thing, it should have said hazav. From the fact that mizovo, we're able to learn those two things. Okay, next Mishnah. Ein bein mitzora musgar le mitzora muchlat ela fria priya ufrima. Okay, the only difference between a mitzora, someone who gets this skin disease, right? Now, many different halachos pertaining to what does it look like? It's a white blemish. We call it leprosy. So there is a process as to how they purify, how the Kohen goes about trying to purify this person. The first thing that happens generally is that if they, if the Kohen diagnoses, gives a diagnosis that, oh, this kind of looks like uh, Tsaraz, he's called a Metzora Muskar, that he's quarantined for seven days. Nothing has been established just yet that it's totally, that he's totally a Metzora, but he, a Metzora, but he has to wait seven days and then the coin will look him at again. However, a Metzora Muchlat is someone who was confined because it was actually determined that, yes, this person is a Mitzorah, it is a Negat Sara'as, it is an affliction, and he has to really go through a, a much longer period of purification, or maybe not much longer, but a real purification process. So he's so the Mishnah says the only difference between the Mitzorah that is quarantined for those first seven days and the Mitzorah that's confined because he's actually it was actually determined that it was Sara'as, it's Ella Priya Ufrima. The only difference is that in the process of purifying themselves, the Mitzorah Muskar will go to the mikvah, wait seven days, but the Mitzorah Muchlat has to do Priya Ufrima, which is to uh, tear their clothing and also to shave their, to let their hair uh, grow out. Those two things has to be done during the process of being confined. And then Ein Bein Tahor Mitoch Hasger Letahor Mitoch Huchlat. And there's no difference between the one who's purifying themselves from being a Mitzorah Muskar right, the quarantine state versus the one who's purifying themselves after they were really determined to be a mitzorah, uh, 
which is the only difference is that the purification process of the one who is mukhlat, they have to shave off their, all their hair and bring bird sacrifices, which the Mitzorah Muskar does not have to do those two things. He would have to you know, go to the mikvah on the seventh day. Okay, so now let's go into the Gemara. The Gemara says, So he says, regarding the idea of being sent out of the camp, and generally they were sent out of all three camps, the Machana Shechina, the Machana Levi, and the Machana Yisrael. That's when they were in the in the Midbar. And in the base of Migdash, they were sent out of the walls of Yerushalayim. That was like the third camp. You had the Migdash, you had the Azara, and then you had uh, Harabayas. Okay, so Mitzorah is sent out of there. So both the Mitzorah, Muskar, and the one Muchlat, they have to they'll be sent out of that third camp. And they're also the same level of impurity, and they're equal. So now we ask, Minahani Mili, where do we know the difference of Priya Ufrima, that the one who is Muchlat has to tear his clothing and let his hair grow out, whereas the one who is Muskar does not have to do that? So the Tani Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Kamid Rav Huna, as Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak taught in front of Rav Huna, he said, so he says that the the kohen is purified through the kohen. It's a it's a scab. It's a scab. He washes his clothing and he's pure. Which is vitahir now? Now he's pure. So what do we imply from this word vitahir? Tahor mepriya ufrima demeikara. It sounds like. He is pure already from needing to tear his clothing or let his hair grow out to Meikar from the very beginning. So the implication is that the Kohen purified him but and he was pure as if like he became pure. He was already pure already. What was he already pure from? He was pure from needing to tear his clothing or let his hair grow out. Okay. So now that's interesting, Drasha, as to how we know the difference between because <clears throat> this Pasuk, and this was in Vayikra, Yud Gimel Vav, it was teaching us the purification process of the Mitzorah Muskar. The Mitzorah Muskar, we seem to prove from here that he doesn't need to tear his clothing or let his hair grow out. So then Amr Le Rava, so Rava says in response to this, now that we've reached this conclusion, Gabi Zav, regarding a Zav, right, this person that sees a discharge, Dixiv as a Torah writes, in Vayikra, Tesavav Yud Gimel writes, Vichy Beis Begadav, that he should wash his clothing, Vitaher, and he is pure. <clears throat> now, remember the word Vitaher a second ago regarding the Mitzorah, it implied that he was like already pure from something, something else he was already pure from. The problem is if you apply this to Zav, so Hasam over there by Zav, my Vitaher Meikar Iko, what exactly is he pure? Is he purified from the beginning? Meikara is there. Why? Because a zav during during his days of being impure, he's impure from everything. There's nothing that he's considered to be pure from. So it doesn't really work this drusha. If you're going to start using the word vitaher to show that he was pure from something beforehand, you don't really have that by the zav. So this drusha of Rashmul Baritzak doesn't seem to work so much for explaining why a Mitzorah Muskar does not have to do Priya Ufrima. Okay, so Ella, rather, ta, rather we're going to first explain that the word Vitaher means this, Tahor Hashta Militami Klicheres Behesed. So when it comes to the Zav, that when he goes through the purification process and cleans his clothing, then he is pure now 
from making milatamik klicharis behesed to making a earthenware 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 vessel becoming impure by the fact that he touches it, which is a high category of impurity. Generally, to make a earthenware vessel impure, you have to actually bring impurity to the inside of it. But the elevated state of a zav being impure actually imparts impurity when you just touch, when you move the earthenware vessel. So what it's saying is by the zav, he's pure from causing that type of impurity to the earthenware vessel. Afal gav, even though the hader chazi, let's say the zav, the next day after he became pure, he sees again a discharge. Still, we're not going to say, oh, he saw the discharge now. And that means that that seven-day process that he had of purity wasn't really pure. And therefore, we're going to be some, something retroactively. So we say, no, that it's it's pure. And we we treat it as if it's totally pure. And this next thing that he saw is a totally new type of zav, of, of discharge. And then hachi nami as well here by the metzora tahor. We say he's tahor. He's pure, this Mitzorah Muskar, from if, let's say, he went back into his house, he came via, he came into his house, and wow, once again, we saw that he had this uh, this uh, this skin blemish on him. We say, oh, maybe when we thought he was pure from the first seven days of him being outside the camp, it, it wasn't really pure. So we say, no, that it's he's, he's right now um, pure for making things impure, uh, retroactively. And we say whatever he sees now is a new thing and it will be a new process of him becoming a Mitzorah or not. Okay, so now we have to figure out, so how are we going to prove that a Mitzorah Muskar does not need Priyofrima? Where is there a source? So Ella, Amarava, rather Rava says, Mehach, we learn it from here. This is from Vayikra Yud Gimel Memhe, thir- chapter 13, verse 45. It says, Vehatsarua Asherbo Hanega. And the tsarua, the one who has this tsaras, this leprosy, asherbo, which is in whom, which is in whom Hanega has this blemish. I so ma, so we we learn from like this. Me so tuya begufo. It's specifically someone who is tsaras is dependent on his body. His body has to become pure from the tsaras, which is yatsa ze to exclude this one. It's there to exclude this one, that being the Mitzorah Muskar, the Mitzorah Muskar, the one who's quarantined, that his saras is only dependent on, not on his body, but rather on the days that he is quarantined outside. It's a seven-day period. So that Pasuk is saying, who's going to be the one that needs to have the tearing of the clothing and the letting the hair grow out? That's someone that's specifically a Mitzorah. That his purification process is dependent entirely on his body becoming unblemished. Who's the one that doesn't need the tearing of the clothes and the and the growing of the hair? That's the that's the mitzora, who it's not dependent on his body becoming you know unblemished, but rather it's the days he becomes pure through the days that he sits outside the camp. So now Amar Abai, So after we've had this proof that this idea of only the mitzora that it's dependent on his body becoming unblemished, not the one that's dependent on the days that he sits outside the camp. So I'm really Abayas. So Abayas says, So now, based on what you said, Rav, we have another pasuk, which is Mamish in the next pasuk, in Parak Yud Gimel, pasuk Memvav, pasuk 46, it says, Kol Yemei Asher Hanegabo Yitma. 
that all of the days which the nega, which the, the blemish is upon him, upon him, Bo, on him, Yitma, he will be impure. Now, this Pasuk is talking about the fact that you have to go outside the camp. So the Gemara says, or Abai asks, me, it should be derived that like this, me, Shitzara, so Tuluya Begufo, who the tone Shiluach. It should be specifically the one that's his Saras is dependent on his body. That's the one who should require to be sent out of the camps. However, Vishain Saras, so Tuluya Begufo, in tone Shiluach, but the one whose Saras is not dependent on his body becoming unblemished, but rather the days that he sits outside the camp, then. Hey, he shouldn't be required to actually be sent outside the camp. That's a very good question Abai has on Rava. This idea of that we say Bo, that he has within him this tsaras on his goof, so it should be across the board. And therefore, what we would be left with is that the Mitzorah Mukhla shouldn't be even be sent outside the camp. But we say, but the Gemara says, Vichi Tema Hachi Nami. And if you want to say maybe this is the case also, that maybe he shouldn't be sent outside the camp, the problem is, but didn't we learn in the Mishnah, that the only difference between the Mesora Muskar, the one who's quarantined, versus the Mesora Muchlat, the one who is totally confined because he was determined to be a Tsaras, the difference is only a Prio Frima of not of either tearing your clothing or growing your hair out. However, Hala Inyan Shiloach, but when it comes to regards to sending outside the camp and becoming impure uh, by the fact that you walk into the house, so they're equal. So you can't suggest that the Mitzora Muskar shouldn't be sent outside the camp. We we know that's the case, that they're sent outside the camp. So how do we resolve this? Is Rava's explanation totally just unraveled now by Abaye? Ah, so Amrle, so Rava will say back to Abaye, not so fast. You have to look at that pasuk a little close, a little closer. It says yemei and kol yemei. In that pasuk in on in mem vav, it said not just yemei his days, but it said kol yemei, kol yemei all of his days. The rabos mitzora muskar l'shiluach. The extra word kol is coming is coming to include the mitzora muskar, the mitzora who is just quarantined that he will also require l'shiluach. He will also require to be sent outside the camp. All right, so now the Gemara asks, Ihachi, if this really be the case, that the word from the words kol, right, we just included that kol meant that even by Mitzorah Muskar, they have to be sent out of the camp, then then the idea of shaving off all of his hair and having to bring the, the sacrifices, the two birds, by the conclusion of his purification process, my time alone, why is it that the Mitzora Muskar does not do that? And how we know that how do we know that the Mitzora Muskar does not do those two things? Diktani, as we learned in the Mishnah, There's no difference between the one who's pure who purifies himself from being Hezger, from just being quarantined, versus the one who purifies himself from being Hechlet, from being confined, except for the only difference is that the one who is muhlat has to shave his hair and uh, bring the tziporim. The one who is muskar does not. But the truth is, if you have the word kol, if the extra word kol, so maybe also include that for the mitzora muskar. Why is there this difference? I so Amar Abai so Abai says Amar Kra. Now, just to point out. It's unclear. Abai should have been the one asking this question on this whole entire drasha of Rava. It's a little unclear. However, Abai is answering this question. Some people actually 
there is a Girsin Hagos Habach that erases almost all of those two lines in the question and just goes straight to this Amar Kra. But just based on the question that we just had, so now Amar Abai, so Abai says, Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, and this is in Vayikra Yud Dal Gimel 14.3, it says, Vayetze HaKohen Amichutz Lamachana Vihinei Nirpa Negahatsaraz that the Kohen, he goes out from outside the Machana, and behold, uh, the Nega was uh, near Puff of Tsaras, that the uh, the blemish was healed from the Tsaras. Okay. Now, once again, what do we what do we see from here? And, and the continuation talks about once it's healed, the one who had the Nega and it was healed from the Tsaras, from him having this blemish, it will goes on to talk about how his purification process includes shaving his hair, and bringing the tziporim. So now, here's a drasha. Mi shetzaraso tuluya berefuos. It's specifically, who's the mitzora that needs to have galachas and tziporim? It's specifically the one, and it's tuluya berefuos, that the tzaraz is dependent on the healing of his body. However, yotzazeh comes to exclude this one, the mitzora musgar, she'en tzaraso tuluya berefuos, ela biyamim, that his saras is not dependent on it actually being healed, but rather it's dependent on just the days that he counts and that it did, it doesn't get any worse. Okay, so that's the conclusion that can learn. As we've seen in these these Mishnayos, all the Ain Bains have brought us to many different halachic topics throughout the Torah, nothing yet to do really with Mikra Megillah. Okay. Uh, so we're slowly getting back into it. So next Mishnah says, Ein bein svarim letfilin u'mezuzos, ela she'asvarim ichtavim b'chol lashon, u'tfilin u'mezuzos, einon nichtavos ela ashuris. There's no difference between svarim. Rashi explains what are svarim. Svarim are the Torah of Yimank Suvim. That's what we're calling svarim, the, the, the Tanakh. And there's no difference between the Tanakh, all those svarim. And then, by the way, these are all written on parchment. So the only difference between Sfarim and Tefillin and Mezuzos, which are also partials written on um, on the cloth, it just so happens that the difference is Sfarim, Torah of the Mishnah is saying, can be written in any language. But when it comes to Tefillin and Mezuzos, you cannot write them in all languages. It has to be written with Ksav Ashuris. Ashuris is the font that we write Hebrew with. Okay, we'll see in comparison to uh, Lashon Ivri, but it has to be written Ashuris, Mezuzos, and Tefillin Mezuzos. Then Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, Af besfarim Elohi Tiru Shiyichtavu Ela Yivanis. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, no, you can't write Torah of Yim and Ksuvim in every single Lashon. He says, even Svarim, we don't give any permission to write them except for Yivanis, except for in Greek. Greek, they could be written in, but they can't be written in any other language, of course, except for Hebrew, Ashuris. So now getting into the Gemara, the Gemara says, When it comes to the sewing of the Gidin, or the sewing of the parchment, you have to be, it has to be done with Begidin, with sinews of an animal, and making one's hands impure, they're both equal making hands, one's hands impure if you touch the parchment. We spoke about this a few episodes ago as to why there was a rabbinic, a rabbinic decree that by touching the um, Kisve Kodesh, your hands will become tame. Now, by the way, just to point out, it seems like every single Gemara starting off 
in following the Mishnah that quotes a one one difference between two issues or two topics or, or two items. It, the Gemara always starts by saying, oh, how are they equal? Okay, so they're equal in regards to that if when they're going to be sewed the parchment together, it has to be done with sinews and their hands will become impure if they touch them. So now the Gemara says, Right, and it said uh, in the Mishnah that Svarim can be written in any single Lashon. The Gemara starts though with a question. It says, Very mean who, but we have a contradiction. How so? It says, Mikra Shikosfu Targum, Vitargum Shikosfu Mikra, Uksav Ivri. So you have, if Mikra, right, regular uh, Hebrew in the Torah, if it's written Targum as a translation, like as uh, Aramaic, or if there's a part of the Torah which is Targum and it was written in Hebrew, or you wrote Ksav Ivri, which was at some stage the font that was used, it's a very ancient type of looking thing. We use Ashuris nowadays. The Hebrew we, we write is Ashuris, but they used Ivri back then. So by all these cases, if you mix and match, if you're if you're writing the Mikra like a Targum or vice versa, it is not Metame one's hands. Okay, which means it's it's not a good it's not a good uh, writing at all. And then when is it good? Until you've written it in Ksav Ashuris, in the right Ashuris font that we write it in, on a parchment with the right ink, with the right ink. So clearly this is a contradiction in our Mishnah, which was saying that you can write in any single lush. And here we're saying you have to write in Ashuris. Very good question. Okay, we'll get to the answer next episode. We'll stop here. Yashir Koach.